Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Welcome to Stories of the Unexpected. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. In this podcast series, which is developed especially for donor subscribers of my blog, I'll be telling the stories of the supernatural, the miraculous, and the marvelous. These are things which really happened to me or my family, and sometimes the stories are about from the lives of the saints. In each of the stories, I'll be telling the story and then reflecting on it and pondering with you some of the mysteries and some of the strangeness of the weird things that happen. This story uh, is the second in the series, and it's called The Priest Who Could See Dead People. What happened was this. I was living in England, and I met an extraordinary Anglican priest. We'll call him Father James. And Father James had a healing ministry, and he had particular psychic gifts. He could not exactly read minds, but he could understand things and make connections at an intuitive level that other people weren't able to do. Also, it was known that he had laid hands uh, and healed people by God's power. And I began to work with uh, Father James in various different ministries and learned a bit more about him and the work that he was doing. Father James was an Anglican priest, an Anglo-Catholic priest, which means uh, he was uh, believed a lot of Catholic um, theology and Catholic understanding of things, even though he was in the Anglican Church. And Father James uh, went on a mission uh, to in another parish, um, the mission was led by uh, Father Roger, and my brother, my younger brother, uh, went with Father James to help him because Father James was disabled because of multiple sclerosis and was in a wheelchair and My brother <coughs> went with Father James to help with this parish mission to help with the, with the wheelchair and just before they left to go on the mission, uh, my brother had um uh, a phone call that a friend of his in the United States, whose name was John, was killed suddenly in a plane crash. 
Now, John was in his 20s. He was probably around 5 foot 2. He had a big round face, lots of freckles, and a shock of blonde hair. And this would have been in the 1980s. So he wore what we called then preppy clothes, khaki pants and an open neck polo shirt. And my brother um, was very upset, of course, that his friend John had died in this plane crash so suddenly. Furthermore, John was, uh, he felt away from the Lord. And although he wasn't a Catholic or even an Anglican Christian, um, he was, came from a Christian family and he'd been straying away from and walking on a path away from the Lord. So my brother was worried about the state of his soul. And he shared with Father James uh, this story. And Father James said, well, we need to have a requiem mass for him. Well, my brother was um, coming from a Protestant background and and was unfamiliar with all of this, but accepted what Father James said. And so when they were at the parish with Father Roger, uh, Father Roger said, well, I'll celebrate the mass for James. And the two of you can be there and pray for his soul. And they preferred for this mass to be a private mass. Uh, And so they locked the church doors and proceeded to celebrate a small uh, semi-private Mass with Father Roger at the altar and Father James and my brother. And as the Mass continued, my brother became very uh, disturbed emotionally and was weeping for his friend John, who died in the plane crash. And um, then he went forward to kneel and receive communion. And he said later, I felt that John was next to me, kneeling next to me, and that he was disturbed and upset. And I said to him, sort of in my mind, my brother said, I said to him, uh, don't worry, you'll be all right. I'm going to receive communion for you. You can trust me. This is Jesus. Well, after the communion was over, my brother was... Um, Uh, talking about the experience with Father James and uh, Father Roger. And Father James said, uh, my brother said, I felt that John was there with me. And and Father James said, oh yes, I saw him. And my brother said, what do you mean you saw him? Father James said, well, at the offertory, uh, a young man came in from the back of the church and he sat in the pew over on the side by himself and when you went forward to kneel and receive communion, he came and knelt next to you. Daryl said, well, that's exactly what I felt. My brother's name was Daryl. He said, I, that's exactly what I felt. And he said to Father James, well, what do you mean you saw him? What did he look like? And Father James said, well, he was about five foot two. Uh, he had a big round face with freckles and a shock of blonde hair. And he was wearing tan pants and an open neck shirt. Well, that was exactly the physical description of John. But this was taking place in England, and Father James had never seen a picture of John, had never heard a physical description of John, uh, and didn't know the man at all. So, of course, uh, they were quite astounded by this, Father James and uh, Father Roger and and my brother, and they were um, amazed that uh, Father James had this kind of vision and my brother said you mean like you saw a ghost or it was just like in your mind's eye he said no James father James said no he, he, he was as real and as solid as you were and my brother said well, what happened after communion and father James said well he went in this master place in a little side chapel so he said uh, he went uh, through the archway there and up the stairs of the uh, elevated pulpit and out into the uh, eastern window of the morning light Well, after this took place, which was, of course, astounding, 
Father Roger said, well, yes, I, I knew that he was there as well. He said, I didn't see him, uh, or even in my mind's eye, but there was a very strong presence of a young man who was upset. But then at communion, uh, he felt that he received communion with you, he said to my brother, and that he was at peace. So th- that's the story, uh, a real story. I'm not exaggerating. This is the story that was passed down to me, told to me by both uh, Father Roger, Father James, and my brother. I knew all three of them. And they uh, said this experience had taken place. So what do we learn from this? Um, first of all, it's a very Catholic thing, of course, to say a requiem mass for the repose of people's souls. Uh, and the funeral mass, we should remember, for a Catholic is not just a memorial service. It's, it's not just a kind of time to give a eulogy and remember Uncle Joe. Um, th- this is actually, we, we do something at the requiem mass. We uh, ceremonially and sacramentally commit the person to God's keeping. We hand them over to, to God for safekeeping. We, the, the prayers of the, of the liturgy and the funeral service actually say we're handing him over to the angels now. And so we also believe that not only does this happen in a funeral mass, but that masses should be offered for the repose of the souls of our loved ones. Now, this used to be a regular practice for Catholics, and I find that it has fallen away uh, in many times, in many places, this custom is forgotten because people think it's superstitious. But the story of uh, the priest who could see dead people, Father James, reminds us that requiem masses are effective. They actually do something in, in the other side. They do something in, in the realm of, of, of the dead. They can actually uh, help to release souls from purgatory and help souls on their way into God's presence. Uh, as we saw with John, who, after his sudden death in a plane crash, was uh, disturbed and seemed to be disturbed and upset and seemed to be at peace after the the Mass was said for the repose of his soul. So, first of all, it's a reminder to us that we uh, need to do this for our departed loved ones and not to be ashamed. Furthermore, in in my experience, that Requiem Masses not only do something for the dead, they also help the living. Uh, they help the living because they really do facilitate the grieving process. Uh, it helps the living to realize that they are doing something for their dead loved one. They're doing something to help them even now. And it builds up a communion between them and the other person uh, in the Lord and sharing uh, in the, the graces of the sacraments and the graces that God has, not only for us, but for our loved ones. So while we remember this... We should also remember uh, that rosaries that are offered for our loved ones, uh, little sacrifices that are offered for the dead, uh, little uh, if we go on a pilgrimage or we earn indulgences by, by, the, by the church's uh, authority, these also can be applied for the souls in purgatory and especially for our loved ones who are in purgatory. So you can understand that as a Protestant coming into the Catholic Church from the Anglican Church, this was one of the experiences uh, during my time as an Anglican which was very impressive and very memorable. Which brings us to another interesting and curious um, detail about this story. Uh, The priest who celebrated the Mass was an Anglican. He was uh, Anglo-Catholic. Father James was Anglo-Catholic. And uh, they celebrated a requiem mass for the repose of the soul of this person, John. And from the experiences that we had, we, we can't draw um, absolute um, conclusions from personal experiences, but from those experiences, we would it would seem to indicate that the mass was effective, that it really did help John, uh, and it really did 
uh, do something. So then we're confronted with the idea that, well, what if it was not a valid Mass? If, if the priest was an Anglican, then it is not a valid Mass, so how could it have done anything? Well, we have to remember the distinction between a valid Mass and an effective act of prayer. Uh, while it may not have been a valid Catholic Mass, the Anglo-Catholic Mass, although it was a Protestant service, uh, was still an effective act of faith, an effective service of prayer, and an effective commemoration of our Lord's death, uh, pleading for the repose of the soul of this loved one. We're reminded, therefore, that uh, God is not bound by his sacraments. And while we can acknowledge, on the one hand, that the Anglican Mass uh, was not valid according to the uh, strict laws of the Catholic Church, we can acknowledge that by God's grace, uh, although it was not valid, it may also, it may still have been effective. In other words, that prayer service uh, uh, done in faith by some of the faithful and the baptized, um, God can still use and God can still uh, work his graces through it. Because um, he, he's not limited by these things, and his grace is far-reaching, and his mercy is far-reaching. Remember the scriptures say that God is not willing for any to perish. Uh, and when you think about it, it would be quite ridiculous and illogical for God to be totally um, constrained uh, by the sacraments of his church. No, instead, uh, while we recognize that the Mass may not have been valid in Catholic terms, we thank God that his grace continued to work. So this is uh, the second of my stories of uh, the unexpected, and I hope that you'll tune in and listen. Uh, if you enjoy them, uh, maybe share it with some others. But uh, remember, this is a, a special podcast series for donor subscribers of my blog, trying to give them some uh, extra uh, value. I hope you've enjoyed listening, and uh, I'm going to try to put a story up just about every week. Uh, so stay tuned to my blog and uh, tune in when you can. Thank you for listening. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Have you ever been put on the spot and asked to explain or defend Catholic teaching on sensitive topics such as abortion, same-sex marriage, or the Eucharist? What to Say and How to Say It is a straightforward and practical resource by Brandon Vogt, best-selling and award-winning author of Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too. He offers essential tools for articulating even the most contentious aspects of your Catholic faith with clarity and confidence. You can get a copy of this important new book at AveMariaPress.com. Use code TALKFAITH to get 25% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www. Dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before.